I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Thursday, November 2nd, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. Okay, so Jay, believe it or not, today, today, November 2nd, marks the launch of holiday cups at Starbucks and the start of fiery debates around when the holiday season should actually start. November, December, somewhere in between. Now, the Queen of Christmas herself, Mariah Carey, seems to have cast her vote on the matter after dropping a video proclaiming that it's time, literally the second that October ended. No Christmas isn't huge for you, Jay, but for the holiday season at large, when do you think it should start and we should start thinking about the holidays? Well, I will say that today I wore a toque for the first time. So the date might be flexible, but maybe the first day you wear a toque is when you can start thinking about the holidays. I don't know. I think that's a good rule. It's likely more weather dependent than it actually is when the date is. So I, I think that's a good, it's, look, it's cold outside. So I feel like that's appropriate to start thinking about the holidays. That's just us though. You know, there's a whole bunch of people that don't live in cold weather and I don't know when they start the holidays. Those honestly. people, that's a totally different reality to me. I can't even see myself thinking about the holidays at all. I would just kind of go past. Yeah. I would just come and go. Christmas comes and go. You know, I was in Australia around the holiday season. And I will say, I confirm this, that they do push. Like, you don't really think about Christmas until, like, the second week of December. And then you're like, oh, Christmas is soon. But, like, here, I don't know. It's more Christmas Oh, We'll so. start to see Christmas stuff. Well, with these cups today. Yeah, the cups. Yeah, that's it. Right. Aside from Starbucks cups and when the Christmas season begins, what do we have for Peak Dolls today? For our first story, new immigration targets. For our second story, salary disclosure rules. And for our third story, clean tech fund drama. For our first story, at what point does the phrase, the more the merrier, ring false? Canada's finding out as it manages immigration levels. Where are we talking about, Brett? So after raising immigration targets last year, the federal government plans to maintain its current targets, aiming to welcome 465,000 new permanent residents next year and 500,000 in 2025, and keep the pace steady at 500,000 annually starting in 2026. The news comes one day after the Ministry of Immigration said it would seek to integrate housing, healthcare, and infrastructure into planning immigration levels. Now, Quebec, which has an independent immigration system, also revised its targets and added French competency requirements to some temporary foreign workers. A fear that more newcomers will exacerbate the housing crisis has caused public opinion on immigration to Canada to sway drastically. A new survey found that 44% of Canadians agree that there is too much immigration compared to just 27% last year. This fear is not unfounded. A TD Economics report found that immigration targets could increase the housing shortage by up to 500,000 homes within two years. Immigration Minister Mark Miller has disagreed with that number, arguing it doesn't account for future permanent residents who are already here and that the number of homes needed, this is a quote, is much more complex and much less linear than most people assume. Now, this brings us to the bottom line. As of right now, a slim majority of Canadians are perfectly okay with immigration levels. And experts still see immigration as crucial for growth and labor force stability as Canada's population rapidly ages. However, sentiments could turn even further in the other direction if the government fails to make any headway on housing. For our second story, do you hear that? It's the sound of thousands of hiring managers clanking at their keyboards, updating their Indeed job postings. Why is that, Jay? Well, effective yesterday, all BC job postings must now include salary ranges as mandated by the province's recently passed Pay Transparency Act. Employers also can't ask how much you made at your previous job or refuse to offer up transparency reports. BC's six biggest crown corporations must also prepare annual reports on systemic pay gaps. By 2026, this will apply to every company with 50 or more employees. Not a zoom out. Mm -hmm. 
Such laws are gaining traction across the world. The EU passed a transparency directive in April, while New York and California now require job postings with wage ranges. In Canada, PEI also passed similar legislation to BC's new laws in June of last year. The feds also passed the Pay Equity Act in 2021, which requires all employers in federally regulated sectors with 10 or more employees to correct pay disparities. And it matters because advocates argue that pay transparency laws give workers bargaining power by arming them with vital information when entering compensation talks. Likewise, early studies suggest that transparency measures do a bang-up job of reducing pay inequities. One study looking at the widespread pay transparency found they substantially shrunk the gender pay gap and in some cases eliminated it entirely. But pay transparency's effect on productivity is hotly debated. While some studies have found that knowing what coworkers make inspires employees to work harder, others have found the opposite to be true as employees who feel underpaid start mailing it in. For our third story, and Brett, I'm not mailing it in, according to a recent probe, things aren't all squeaky clean in the world of clean tech investing. That's right, Jay. So here's what's happening. Canada's Auditor General is launching an investigation into Sustainable Development Technology Canada, the body that's currently in charge of distributing $1 billion in federal funding to green investments after a career-limiting third-party report. According to tapes provided by a whistleblower, the Assistant Deputy Minister of Innovation told the group's leadership the report outlines outright incompetence. The probe led to the fund suspension last month, but the Auditor General is reportedly disappointed with the response to the allegations of fund mismanagement. Now to catch you up, the report found evidence that management and board members inappropriately used funds, that executives had breached conflict of interest rules with companies they funded, concerns that have been initially reported by whistleblowers within the organization. The allegation included concerns about $40 million in COVID relief funding that went to firms that already had financing from the STDC during the pandemic. The whistleblower group also raised concerns about new funding streams that the SDTC created to allegedly circumvent its funding agreement with the feds. And it matters because the feds have already been criticized for mismanaging COVID response funds, and as they continue to take heat for overspending, they could make an example out of the SDTC and bring the hammer down after the Auditor General's investigation. Hey, pal, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Thank you and have a great Thursday, Peak Pals. When you give me shock waves.